and here we go. Welcome back to An Evening with Nate. It's your host, Nathan, and I'm I'm happy, I'm thankful that you're here. Thank you for keeping up with the first season of this podcast. We wrapped it up. We discussed about stories, stories I liked, the many aspects of stories, and really just a mix between my personal opinion my observations of things in relation to the big topic of stories, uh, along with some bonus episodes. And um, I'm planning to move on to, to some more interesting discussions, some more interesting talks that can hopefully um, be a lot of worth to you when you tune in and listen to this podcast. The thing about me is that I'm a very poor researcher, but I wouldn't go so far as to say that the things that I'm going to talk about are research haphazardly. Uh, there are truths to them, but as usual, it's mostly me sort of trying to untangle the yarn in my head, trying to like talk it out. And we're going to talk about people. We're going to talk about people for the next seven episodes or so that I've planned people, humans, um, no matter how much you try to talk about something as general as that, there's always something more to dig. We've discussed about stories, and stories have characters, and characters are written by people because they're based on people, or they're based on people's fear of what people can do. Now, I like to make a distinction here, a distinction between you know people or a person and make it different with humans and it's not going to affect the discussion at large but i thought that that's a nice place to start and this isn't like a super philosophical thing i'm simply addressing that these two sounds we make with our mouths uh, in the english language the words human and the word people, to me at least personally, they register onto different definitions inside my head. And it may be the same for you. It may be different. I simply Google the definitions and they're very, very, very similar. Um, you can check it out yourself. But basically what I have in my notes here is what I think of them. What I think of, of what these words mean to me personally And when I think of the word people or person, I think of either people that we know, individuals whose personalities have been, who have exposed their personalities to me as an individual, either through a personal direct conversation or even, you know, celebrities or content creators who I follow closely, you know them better than you do other humans you simply see at a glance. People, I think, are are when we start to look into a person beyond skin deep. People means that they have willingly, usually, um allowed other people to look into who they are as far as personality and opinions and thoughts go. And another 
I think, more dictionary-based definition of people is I would probably think of society in a way or a particular ethnic group because, you know, the peoples of blah, 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 the peoples of blah, blah, blah usually refer to a group of people. As for humans, it's it's a bit different because humans is how I look at us as this species, as this living thing. When you say human, I think less on the lessons that involve like the social sciences and I think more towards homo sapiens. It's a much more natural way of viewing it. Humans feel like the the physical and only the physical of who they are and humanity feels like more than just the the sum of all the people in the world today the word humanity to me at least refers more to the collective history of humankind feels like the culmination of all that we've been and all that we've done be it good, bad, righteous, or vile. And I don't know, the reason I tried to make that distinction is probably because we're going to talk more about the people side of things. Something a bit more personal. And as the discussion goes... I will be focusing more, I guess, on um, on the abstracts. I won't be focusing on, you know, human like human development, like human interaction, human psychology, human behavior, uh, things of that sort that sort of um, view us as subjects of a study the way they would subject. Um, animals too and it's not because I have anything against it I just think that I'm, I'm out of my depth when I have to talk deeper about those kinds of things but before moving on to what it is being a person is to me what kind of person I am and the sort of self-awareness you develop when you're a human person when you acknowledge this, I don't know, this internal thought within you, which we will be discussing with more depth later on, um, I guess there is no falseness, there is no loss in viewing just how people used to see humans. And we're going to brush a little bit on philosophy, but I can be wrong. I can be very, very wrong. Most of these are... Um, Wikipedia searches that I did on a whim, but I think I have a, I have a fairly correct viewpoint on it, because philosophy, Western philosophy, old Greek Western philosophy, I think, sort of made the distinction between the, the realm of ideas and the realm now and sees that the realm of ideas is superior blah 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 but there are also interesting things about what being humans mean because humans if I'm not mistaken to them are differentiated by um, by our passions by our spirit 
not spirit in the biblical sense of Holy Spirit, but spirit in, I guess, the desire to spur on. Uh, that we are a political creature, um, social creature, and that we are imaginative, that we, we imagine things. And the world of imagination is really a very interesting field of study as well, um, or at the very least a topic of discussion within philosophy, because some people think that it, it shows just how unlimited we are, and in other people... Um, I forgot his name. Uh, there was a philosopher who believed that all that we can think of, all that we can imagine, are simply uh, sort of a mix and match product of what we already know. Sort of how we cannot imagine um, a new color, even though we can imagine like the most creative color schemes or like shades of color. I can be wrong, but you cannot deny that our imagination and our creativity is one of the defining factors of being a person and one of our greatest intellectual assets. Um, Another thing, of course, is reason and logic. And what's interesting is there are many many different discussions on what being human means. And I think the prevailing consensus is that um, it's a debate between whether or not humanity is innately good or innately evil. And through the viewpoints of philosophy, we can see of the Eastern philosophers, especially um, Confucius and Mencius, his student, believe that humans are innately good. But a lot of Western philosophy is skeptical about that. Um, That humans, as it were, are are impure, that they are sort of consumed by the world, and that that is why we need law and order, and that is why we need uh, philosophers. And it's it's a very interesting discourse, which I will not like choose a side on but it's an invitation to you my listeners to take the moment and do some further reading because it would probably be be a good exercise to uh to self-reflect and simply to set your stances to try and see what is it you believe now aside from the conventional i wouldn't say conventional aside from philosophy's point of view there's also a religious point of view on on humans and making a very rough generalization of most religions and i'm mostly um i'm mostly exposed to to abrahamic religions but i'm also putting into consideration stuff like buddhism and hinduism that uh one of the common consensus, I think, is that the world, as it is, is impure. That men have to strive, I mean humans have to strive to be good. And in that process of achieving goodness, achieving perfection, they would inevitably rise and fall and rise and fall and rise and fall. And in, in some religions, it requires divine intervention to cleanse themselves on others it's a saving grace 
um, other religions simply advise you to focus and work on your willpower in that pursuit of perfection but basically their 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 viewpoint is that men are either um, vile or originally good but have been contaminated into something that is most likely villainous and that only through pursuit of goodness and only through surrendering back to faith and receiving or committing uh, an action or a ritual to only through those things can you attain redemption and redemption will give you a shot of life after death be it the classic notion or idea of heaven or, or nirvana or or other concepts it's a very interesting thing to look at it and i'm gonna just drop what i know about the christian point of view of it and that is not only because it is the religion i'm currently um putting i'm i'm currently believing in but also because i would think that it is only proper that i i make a commentary uh, a more detailed commentary of of only the religion that I'm, I'm currently following because I don't want to get things wrong. There are multiple interpretations and multiple um, streams, I guess, multiple denominations of belief within a certain religion. So I don't want to mess it up. What I do know from the Christian point of view is that men are created on the image of God. Humans are created on the image of God. And this meant that it places us as an at an elevated status above that of the creatures of the earth, that human beings have a responsibility of nurturing the earth and also exploiting the earth um, as we multiply and fill up the earth. And that the original idea of humans, uh, say Adam and Eve, were that they were perfect and they had they were on the same quote-unquote wavelength with what God the Father wants. And through the act of, you know, eating the, the fruit of knowledge or like fruit of whatever it's called, um, then humans are contaminated by sin and the world and reality is thus contaminated by sin. And the rest is a story of of how humanity and God's intervention goes on to right that wrong. There is the concept of redemption through notorious, you know, religious figure Jesus Christ. Um, the concept of redemption through the sacrifice of the 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 lamb through through Jesus Christ and culminating in the book of revelations with the end of the world the new jerusalem and eventually eternal life uh the good guys win and the the devil loses but um that's a very interesting that's a very interesting way of viewing humankind because it's sort of i wouldn't say conveniently but it 
it is a sensible a sensible mix and match of the previous ideologies we've discussed those who believe that humans are innately good those who believe that human humans are innately bad uh, this is sort of a, a a sensible in between i would argue that we were created good there was a mistake and we are uh contaminated i guess by the the concept of sin and it is only through um faith and the redeeming work of christ that human humanity would return to an elevated state of goodness um but you know i'm not here to press my agenda on you i'm not here to sort of impose that belief on you it's just the one belief i think i am most familiar with and on a personal level upon further introspection i think that it's quite sensible if you can sort of think it through um it's quite a fascinating train of thought but it's not as insensible as some people might frame it out to be but let's just leave it there um i've stated my points on that it's been pretty interesting so what's my take on humans what is my take on people why we dislike and like people and what what are some of humanity's greatest achievements well again i'm separating between humans and people due to the reasons mentioned beforehand because i think that humans as a species are are sort of hanging on to their intellect and creativity because we're not very strong we're not very fast we have to cook our food and we need clean water i think we're one of the most vulnerable um species there are like i can wrestle a dog or a cat to death sure but in reality if they were going full force i wouldn't be able to chase them i wouldn't be able to eat the food that they eat drink the drinks that they drink you know the the quality of water um so humans are very very vulnerable in my opinion and it is i think the way that we've managed to survive aside from our like social skills and our ability to synergize cooperate establish some sort of a dominant uh, hierarchy is through ingenuity through invention through the use of tools but that's as far as it goes to humans because at some point we got to start talking about people and people feels in this context far more personal we don't have we don't say that these were exceptional humans when we talk about some of the greats of history we say that they are exceptional people because they've opened themselves up to the world and they've um used up a lot of what they are intellectually physically 
for the benefit of humankind as a whole. And I think that's one of the ways that people determine whether or not they appreciate, like or dislike other people. People who are open can get hurt easily, but I think if they can do so with class, like opening themselves up with the right place and the right time, usually those kinds of warm and open people are universally loved. And if they have the self-awareness to sort of educate themselves regularly on um, on what is acceptable and what is not, then people who are vocal about their opinions are usually and hopefully respected for it regardless of how you agree or disagree with a person's opinions because they're open about it, they are able to express themselves properly and openly and they do so without trying to incite aggression. And the people we like, funny enough, may just not be, like they may not share the characteristics of a lot of people that we admire throughout history. Now, it is, it would be inaccurate to imagine the greats of the past, even the scientists, um, you know, Pasteur, Newton, and um, Descartes, you know, people like those, they're, they're not this comical caricature of what a genius is, at least I believe, as far as I'm concerned. Um, Malcolm Gladwell's outliers even mentioned that uh, Robert Oppenheimer, the, the man who helped invent the, the atomic bomb, he had a sort of practical skill, the ability to negotiate and communicate with, with those around them. But, you know, people of high intellect throughout history, a lot of the reasons why they're celebrated even though their personalities may not be as pleasant as people think, I think we owe as well to writing that a lot of the great things that they've done or written and we don't hear them say it out with whatever insensitivity or pomp that they may have. But this is also remembering that a lot of them may actually be decent, well-mannered people who fit into how we expect people to behave today, at least in a, in a social interaction way. It's just that some of the more difficult people, I think, if, if we didn't have writing and only their words are, are, are taken for it and how they say those words are the only determiner of whether or not um, their truths are acknowledged, then it would be a great loss to society if we had a rude intellectual. And there may have been, like all those discoverers, all those scientists, and you have to imagine they have their own um, 
they are ex- they, they are likely to be eccentric in their own ways. And we're fortunate that by putting things into writing, they are remembered for their works and not how they act. And with social media and the fact that, you know, amazingly, through the tens and thousands of kilometers of the earth, we can upload and vi- we can upload videos and watch them like anywhere and any time. We see a lot of public backlash to people with with um, eccentric personalities, and we see people having difficulty separating the work from the creator, the art from the artist, and um, and that's a shame. And people are amazing. You know, exceptional people are amazing. But the nameless, faceless people who who work by their side, the names in the appendices, they're also great people. The people who whose stories have gone forgotten. The people who had to endure difficulties that we cannot even imagine. Humanity has a lot of heroes. The collective history of mankind has produced its celebrated figures of heroes. And these heroes are are at the thousands. There are there is a multitude uh, of, of people worth celebrating, and even that I think doesn't even cover it doesn't even cover half of it. If we have the capacity to sort of observe, hypothetically, to observe every human being in all space and time, we would probably discover more heroes, people who lay down their, who sacrifice a lot of things that are important to them for the benefit of other people, often their own lives for the survival of other people. And we've seen a few. And we've seen great leaders. And we've seen villainous leaders. We've seen soldiers. And fighters. And artists. And thinkers. And scientists. But I'd like to think that in the middle. In the middle ages. The dark ages. The age of the peasants. While they're all suffering. The fact that people pull through. There has to be a lot of sacrifice, a lot of charity, um, and I don't know. For some reason, I, when I read historical passages of the time, I would believe that there are mothers, you know, working in fields, trying to make things work for their also peasant sons and daughters. Many of which will die in infancy, hence the the very low, uh, the the very uh, the very low age of uh, expectancy. I believe that people like those, like one life you save, they're heroes. And talking about heroes, though, what is the greatest? human achievement 
what can be the greatest human achievement? Both personally, like what is the greatest achievement ever by a person, and what is humanity as a people, as this group, what is the apex of our achievement? A few years ago, I would have probably said the invention of music and the invention of humor. Uh, but after thinking about it for a short time, they're not really invented. They're almost as old as humanity humanity itself. It makes me wonder that, you know, perhaps it's within us. Music and humor, to me, are two of the most bizarre things and most amazing things ever. But I wouldn't go so far as to say that they are a human invention or human achievement. Though works of music and, and, and well, not jokes, but like works in humor can contend for uh, one of humanity's greatest achievement. Uh, you know, you can say that the Beatles' Abbey Road album is one of humanity's greatest achievement. Um, you can say that Bill Burr's stand-up specials are, like, something amazing for a person to do, simply spitting out amazing jokes, line after line after line, killing, uh, like, an entire audience with laughter. I mean, humor is amazing. Funny movies that are amazing can be considered human achievement, but music and humor in and of themselves are not humanity's greatest achievements. I'd even go so far as to say that they're so illogical, they're so illogical in their existence that it has to come from something otherworldly. Me on a personal level, one of the reasons I believe that at the very least there is a creator is just the bizarre concept of music and humor. Because music is like squiggly air with pitch and a certain set of rhythms often accompanied by words sung in tune, you know, vocals. Humor is even uh, more absurd because it's it's even more difficult to define humor because humor is sort of like you're making reality askew and then you have this odd reaction where you <laughs> where you laugh and laughter is also I think something very very unique very weird and I'm aware that other animals, especially primates, have laughter within them. But I'm just saying that laughter in itself is such a bizarre concept. It's such a bizarre occurrence. It's a bizarre phenomenon. So, you know, you have 
you have music, you have humor, and it doesn't make sense. It doesn't add your like survival skills. It doesn't help you against the bears. You know, if you're talking like through a through a survival point of view, doesn't make you taller. Doesn't make you shorter. Doesn't help you to fight. But I'm sure once that once there was um, once there was sort of this universal appreciation for music and humor among cultures, even ancient cultures. There are anthropological effects that go down generation after generation, and maybe even effects that we enjoy to this day because we haven't changed that much as much as we wish we have, as as, as people and as humans. So, I think that humanity's greatest achievers are people who manage. To reach the pinnacle of the hum- human imagination. People who successfully brought to us what we thought is only able through imagination. There are two achievements that I would argue are the greatest human achievement. The first, and I know that this will make a lot of controversy, is the... The astronauts reaching the moon. The optimist in me believes that it was done. I would like to believe that it is true. And let's for a minute now, before people start picking up the their, their little handphones and start typing in conspiracy theories, um, let's take a moment and for the sake of the argument, assume that it's true. Reaching the moon is something that people, I don't know, if it were like 100, 200 years ago, they would only nervously imagine the prospect of it. The same way flight is, really. If we had never reached the moon, I would, I would have put flight on this list. The ability to sail through the air, but going to the moon takes it. A level further because we're sailing through the air we're sailing through the atmosphere and somehow you reach that white dot in the sky we see at night that is insane i hope it's true because if it is true and the general consensus for now is that it is it's such an amazing achievement and it the reason it's such a great achievement is going back to my argument it's that it's something within our imagination that seemingly lies beyond the confines of humanity, sort of how space and time has limited us, we managed to at the very least overcome space in that, in that aspect. The second, I guess, most uh, amazing achievement is the invention of either the computer or the internet. I would like to conjunct them together, to join them together. Personal computers and the internet because again this is a play with imagination we've created something that sort of emulates imagination an endless boundless sort of pocket dimension you know that's what youtube is you pull out never-ending supplies of videos and content from the internet from youtube you know you get videos you even have that french video website with daily motion vimeo all that stuff 
you, you know, we're creating a quote-unquote pocket dimension through something that started out like a bunch of wires and gears in Alan Turing's um, cipher decoding machine. And somehow we, we changed that and we created the internet and the computer. I think games are like one of the most amazing examples of those because like in Nature of Imagination, you have a whole new different world with different rules of reality. It's it's insane. So I think that the greatest human achievements are our creations that most um, that most replicate the limitless the limitless capabilities of our imagination. So us making it to the moon and also certainly the computer and the internet. So I'm I'm almost done here. Um, if you hear noise in the background, I'm sorry. My dad always yells at the phone when he's on a call. I don't know why. I don't understand. Um, seventh point in my little notebook here is who is Nate? And, you know, you all know me. I am not a human to you. I am a person to you. I am a person who either knows you very well or slightly well, or if you're a new listener, then I am now more than a human. I am a person to you because I've opened up my thoughts uh, in this discussion. And, you know, the question is, who is Nate? And approaching that self-introspection and self-awareness is something that's very helpful and very cathartic that I will explain and I will go through on a later episode, probably the the season finale of this second season. So, I'd like to think that I can be, well, I can't be defined completely by words, but through these subcategories, you can know me better. My beliefs, my, my likes, things I like and I dislike, things that I value, my goals, and how I relate to the world, how I view the world, my world view. As far as beliefs go, I am a Christian, I'm quite religious, but I do believe that where I agree with a lot of Christians, I may not agree with them on other aspects, mainly that being a minority like a religious minority that has received fair treatment and a very positive experience here in Indonesia, I believe that it is best for governments to separate church and state always. And I know Christians who still have that sort of Puritan fantasy in them where the laws and the regulations will remain back to its Christian roots, but on a legal sort of frame, I believe that we should be quite liberal about it, as long as it doesn't go so far, and anything not liberal, or anything that is not degenerate, suddenly becomes something wild. Um, that's that's a bit too much, I guess, but I'm, I'm sure you get the point, I'm a Christian in faith, 
I believe in Christian values, but as a society, I don't mind um, in a legal standpoint that we adhere to the to the wills of the masses, that it being a democracy, and not merely the, the will of the masses, but um, to it, it responds accordingly to society. We can't be as uptight as we are. We need to be quite liberal in our lawmaking, just out of courtesy to the countries that have been kind to Christian minorities in their laws. And I'm not speaking for all Christians in Indonesia, but I am speaking for myself. And I've had nothing but respect, safety, and protection from, you know, police, people of different faiths, and all these things. So, believe in the faith, but when it comes to laws and how you run a country or society, I'm quite liberal. Um, we we take it on a case-by-case basis. It doesn't have to be, like, strictly Christian. Likes and dislikes. Um, I have a fascination for music and the arts, but I am not well. Uh, I do not have a wide knowledge for paintings or poetry, so it's mainly just music and probably movies. Though I am not a full-fledged cinematophile, I do watch quite a lot of movies, mainly um, movies instead of series. I enjoy them, I find them to be a compelling piece of art, and no, I'm not a gamer, I have a few mobile games that I play, and it's because my laptop is is a very weak and old model, but, you know, I don't have the budget to, to buy a new one, I can still do my university assignments, so I don't want to burden my parents with asking for a new laptop just yet. But when I do, I'm going to buy something like really good hopefully values i value a lot of things in in concrete i value people friendships relations i value experiences and i actually don't i've never had like i've never been ambitious i've never set out a goal for myself because to me like formal education and what I eventually do for a job will only act as a sustenance to to help me do things that I really need because I need that financial support. My only goal is to pick um, a job that I don't through and through despise. But if I get a job that doesn't fully like cater into my passions I would even be happy because that way I won't invest like all my time and and and, and energy to it for many many years and ignore the adventures and the people that I could have related with in the middle of the process and I'm not saying that um and I know how privileged it may sound because I do grow up in a middle class family so maybe it's my innocence in thinking that a job is just a job and that I'll have plenty of time to do the things that I want but I don't think it's as out of the ordinary as we think because traveling 
is getting cheaper. Um, things are getting things are some some things are getting more expensive, but people are smarter in managing their finances. There are more ways that you can save money now, um, and really, if you can save well and um, you get a decent job. I'd like to believe that there is a chance for me to focus more on, you know, getting more out of life. So, my goals are mainly to, to have a good time during the process, parallel to what many people consider the, the core of their life, which is like their job, their career. And I've never considered career as the particular focus. I only want to get onto a place where I can fulfill my limited set of needs i don't need to be luxurious i just need to be able to like provide for myself if i have a family my my wife my kids um probably enough to purchase you know um just basic assets you know a house or a place of stay um if i don't buy like a transportation like a car, let's just hope that the public transportation is good by then. Um, I hope I have enough to retire without burdening the kids. I hope I have enough to occasionally uh, travel because traveling is what I wish to do. So basically, I'm, I'm, I'm not that excited about like being a corporate slave. But even if I were, if it makes good money, you know, I don't really mind. I don't really have trouble with what I do. So long as it helps me do things that I really want to do. That was pretty clear. And um, how do I relate with the grand scheme of the world? How do I view the world? Well, I'm, an, I'm, an opt- I'm, a, I'm a realist with a dash of optimism. An optimism that is based less on good faith and more towards blissful ignorance. And you should try that, you know. Because... The world is both so small, so large, it's both so advanced and, you know, so unevenly developed that, um, that there will be sad news every day. There will be injustices and they will sort of make us forget that we are, as a society, I'd like to think improving day after day after day after day after day. So sometimes, turn off the news. You're grateful, you know, you refer back to being grateful for your day. And um, one of my motto, before the TikTok craze made it like a key phrase, um, was it is what it is. I... Loved it. I loved the brevity of it. I loved the sort of acceptance within it. It's not my core like dogma, but it's a pretty interesting quote. It's a pretty interesting motto to go by. It is what it is. You know, it is what it is. Or sometimes more bluntly, I don't care. And not caring to me can have its moments of insensitivity. It can be bad for you. 
But sometimes when you choose not to care, you're saving yourself um, a lot of heartache, a lot of self-doubt. And um, as someone who feels a lot, as an extrovert who's quite sensitive um, to how people think, uh, who's, I wouldn't say sensitive, who's quite, who can detect, who can pick up how people feel, who can read people fairly well, and not, 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 not so good, but fairly well, you know, read between the lines of how people are, I would be the world's largest overthinker if I didn't practice not to care. But I did. And so by combining acceptance and not caring, I can sort of ironically do more. And by doing more, I'm contributing towards the way situations are and perhaps helping the the original situation from which I said I don't care, you know. And I'm sorry I say you know so much. I'm sorry this past 10 minutes of the of the podcast devolved sort of spirals down from the well-versed structure I had in the beginning but it's been a it's been a good episode it's been a blast and I hope to see you on episode two we will be discussing about um, about what drives people it's gonna be very interesting because we're gonna touch up on motivation for a bit that's it for me today. That's it from an evening with Nate today. And I hope that we all have a good time and you're all safe and sound. Bye.